podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store. It's a problem solver's paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers. Problem solved. Northern Tool and Equipment Summer Sale is on now. Stop in and save up to 50% on pressure washers, sprayers, generators, fans, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Hundreds of deals in-store or at northerntool.com. It is your weekly show here on the Blue Room. Just me and Dave Downey this week. This is the second go we've had to start this recording because Dave got scared, as a lot of people have done, by the, the Zoom electronic voice woman who, who, who now lets you know that you're being recorded at the start of the call. And... um. Just, just knocked you off kilter, I think, didn't it, Dave? A little bit there. It's a very intimidating voice. That's why it wasn't. It wasn't really softly spoken. It, it sounded like more of a threat than it did uh, a statement. To be honest with you, yeah, it did ruffled a few feathers. I'll be honest. Yeah, I think a few people have sort of gone, "Whoa, what's that all about?" Over the last last few weeks, but uh, I suppose last time you recorded, we were uh, we were in person, weren't we? Me, you, and Mike. That was last yeah. Tuesday after Everton lost the manager in Carlo Angelotti. And we sort of thought it would be a long, drawn-out process, and it's turning out to be that. Uh, we'll have a chat about that, obviously, mainly today. And then, of course, we'll get on to the Euros as well. I'll have a chat about how we think England are going to get on, and I'll have a chat about who we think is going to win the tournament and who's going to be top goal scorer and all those sorts of things. But, uh, yeah, Dave, nine days now since Everton lost the manager. Uh, before we get into speaking about specific candidates and some of the, the wild and wonderful names that have been mentioned, in the press over the last 24 hours in particular. How are you feeling about how, how things are going? Are you, are you settled by the way in which Everton are going about this or are you, you itching to see a name through the door? Um, I, I'll be honest, the, the last week I, I, I have sort of fluctuated between being relatively calm about this and realising that, well, even if we appointed somebody right now in terms of recruitment, which will be the main thing that they're going to be tasked with ahead of the new season. The bulk of that's not going to happen until after the Euros. So um, that's the sort of sensible thing. And Cap, but then the other side of it thinks the longer it goes on, the, the less it looks like they know what they're doing with all this. So, um, yeah, I'm somewhere in between that needle. It sort of points in, very, in each direction, Matt, every single day, I suppose, um, depending on the names we're getting linked with. But um, I don't know. I mean, I'm... I have a gen out of all the years we've had. I think when we've had to go in search of a new manager, this one has probably left me the least bothered about who it is, um, because it's just going to be a bonus if they do any good for me, um, which I think is a pretty dour and turgid way of looking at things. But at the same time, the evidence we've got to go on would suggest that they're pretty much going to be that type of manager that comes in. Gets Everton between, I don't know, well, 12th these days, isn't it? And 6th. And it was ever thus, do you know what I mean? That, that, that's sort of the, the, the unexcited feeling I've got. Um, because I, I think there's so much work to do aside from just appointing a new manager. It's going to be a lot, of, a lot of stuff to do in one summer. And I can't see them throwing the kitchen sink at it in terms of a huge influx in numbers of players. So um, it's back, very much back to square one, in my opinion, whoever we get. Yeah, you know, me and you've obviously been around the the, the media side of all this for a while. And just before we, we get into speaking about the, the names in particular, are you, are you surprised by the way in which this has sort of been covered the, the last few days, some of the names that have been mentioned? And I mean, going back to the very start of this, I think on the day we recorded, I think it was Greg at The Athletic, who, you know, and Paddy are obviously very well connected, uh, said that Steven Gerrard had been mentioned as, as a possible option. We've had some 
some interesting names mentioned by well-connected journalists since, you know, sort of culminating in the reports last night that emerged in today's papers that Everton were was seriously considering, to quote one of the pieces, you know, this is from obviously Paul Joyce, Chris Bascoom and Dom King, that the Rafa Benitez was was potentially on, on the table as well. And that's sort of been played down a, a little bit today. It's I just think the way in which this is sort of being briefed and the way in which this is being leaked out, albeit there's, there's not been loads of leaked, I think it is quite interesting. It's almost like they're doing a bit of a, you know, a, a sort of, focus group by fans in a way so putting names out there and sort of saying right let's see what the reaction is to this fella oh maybe you know Benitez a lot of people saying they're not too sure on him um we'll quickly dismiss that it's just just a little bit strange and I think it's it's sort of indicative I think isn't it of the the fact that there are three people probably at the top of the football club who who were driving this recruitment process and they all probably want to drive it in a bit of a different direction yeah, it does seem like a little bit of a reconnaissance mission, doesn't it? So to get the vibe from everybody in terms of who they want, who they don't want, which is a very dangerous game, of course, because you're talking there about three potential leaders or leaders in inverted commas at the club who will probably all pull in different directions. I think you're going to get that in, in in its droves from the fan base as well, aren't you? You have to put EFC into your search engine on Twitter and you'll get a number of names back and a number of... Um, slights on, on certain names and no chance and I wouldn't take him or wouldn't touch him with a barge pole from some people and, um, yeah I mean it's very it feels very scattergun to me there's no real certainty and I, I, I actually think that's I think we've said it before but that's a reflection of the football club I think Matt um, in, in terms of its leadership and we've had these issues for many many years now and each time it looks like it's been sorted out there's something else that's sort of plant that seed of doubt in your mind that they actually know what they're doing here um, and, I, and I think that's very much what we're seeing at the moment we're seeing names crop up different shortlists from allegedly different sources within the club and that would tell you that obviously Mercedes got his people Brands will have his people and Denise I presume and Bill will have their people as well um, and you can almost it, you can it, almost it, guarantee you can almost look at each of the names can't you Dave and I reckon you could have pinpoints where they belong. Yeah. yeah, you could sort of have a really good I guess of putting which manager into which category. So it you know it it seems quite obvious, doesn't it, where certain names are coming from? But also makes it stick out to, like a sore thumb that this has to be Brands' job. Um, otherwise, what are we playing at? What what is the point? Is he just what's he there for? Is he just there in a figure position because the director of football model sounds cool? modern and revolutionary in football or is he actually there to do the job um, because I think there are there are many cases that you can refer to during this time with us where you think hang on isn't that meant to be this fella's job yet someone else looks like they're doing it um, and, and that's that's the, the feeling I get from that situation and look I, I, I listen I'm, I'm not a massive fan of Marcel Brands I have a quite indifferent view of him to be honest with you given the way he, he's done and hasn't done since he's been with us um, but I think you have to say, and, and obviously, again, you know a lot more about this than me, given the European models of director of football strategy, um, that, you know, if you're going to go in that direction, you better bloody well do it properly. Mm. Because if if you don't, you're just, you're just sitting duck, I think, for a lot of different things to happen that aren't going to benefit the club. Like, can you imagine if there was a queue at the door for one of our players to go at the moment? And say, say somebody come in heavily for Calvert-Lewin, Young England striker, say he lights up the Euros in a couple of weeks' time, I'm sitting here thinking, hang on, you've got City barking at the door, you've got maybe Chelsea, you might fancy a new, a new youthful striker who can hold the ball up. 
um, all of those sort of teams coming in for them, which you know is it's a feasible thing to think. Yeah, yeah. Um, then how do Everton handle that? Because I, I'm I'm pretty sure that again, a situation like that, many would be torn, wouldn't they? Because I presume you'd have someone like a Brands thinking, well, this is the sort of thing that I'm used to in terms of selling really sort of valuable assets and then rebuild them with the cash and proceeds that they get from that. Then on the other hand, you look at it and think, well, why would you sell one of your best assets when you should be building a team around him because you're at a football club that isn't really short on, on cash. So, it, yeah, the, the, there's a few things that are just at sixes and sevens still um, that we haven't been given a clear direction on several years after Brands has joined. But look, where, where the, <clears throat> I think I put this when Ancelotti left, whether you're a fan of Marcel Brands or not, the strategy that we're supposed to be deploying right now is a director of football model, and that dictates that he should have the main say in what goes on in terms of managerial recruitment to player recruitment. And it seems quite obvious from what we're seeing on a daily basis here, Matt, that that's not the case still. Hmm. Yeah, it still feels like the sort of half commitment to it, doesn't it? Like, you know, they it like feel, the idea feels of like the director of football, but they don't. It, it, yeah, I mean, I think it feels like certain certain aspects of how the club's run and certain things, what we do, even down to certain individual players that we sign, it's like, oh, well, that was Marcel's idea. You know, he's the one who took the lead on this. And then you're like, okay, fine, that looks good. For instance, Ben, ben Goffrey, maybe. Um, it, it, I think it's sort of maybe common knowledge that he's the one who sort of was behind that transfer, getting him and that sort of player to, to, uh, to Goodison. But then when you look at other signings that we've made, um, Alan, for instance, certainly wouldn't have been him. I wouldn't have thought that would be Ancelotti. And I suppose that, and I think we've mentioned this as well, maybe maybe a lot of people subconsciously have thought this, that when we've recruited players like that, it's like, oh, well, you can't really say much against brands not controlling that recruitment model because who's the person that tells Carlo Ancelotti that he's not signing the player that he wants? Yeah. And, and, and I think... In 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 a certain way, it's like the abstract way. Maybe that's something that we can look at and think. This is one of the. I mean, because I was a big fan of Ancelotti, still am. Um, you know, and and what he could have done for us. But it, does say, it is, yeah. You've got a few. Uh, Send them a card cards. to Madrid. Yeah, just to think what's in some of the cards he's received <laughs> from Everton uh, on, on the gifts he received. But it does make you sort of sit there and think, well, do you know what? Maybe we should look at a positive in that because he's not... We, we now look like we're going to appoint a manager that doesn't have his prestige in the game. In fact, it's pretty certain, isn't it? We're not going to get anybody of his ilk by way of reputation, I wouldn't have thought, as in ways and means of being the next manager. So, therefore, that actually fits into what we want to see from a director of football. So... That, that maybe should excite us in terms of what, what happens next. Um, because, look, it, again, sixes and sevens, I think, is the right term that I'm using there. Because, you know, if Marcel Brands wants to play, I'd love to know internally how that relationship worked. Um, not between the two of them per se, but who took the lead on certain things. And if there was, you know, Brands taking the lead on certain things, i.e. Godfrey maybe, and um, Ancelotti was the like, well, no, I want this certain player, i.e. Alan. Then it looks like whoever's in charge of releasing those funds to the clubs that we're buying them from have simply said yes to both rather than actually sitting thinking, <laughs> let's get the pair them and bang all of our heads together and see what happens, you know what I mean? And have a, have a collective sort of idea of what's going on here. Um, 
and and that's I think we can take solace in that in terms of the next manager we'll probably have to dance the Marcel Brands' tune. Yeah, well I think there's been some some sort of reputable links, hasn't there, to um, the Dutch fullback is it Dumfries? Who yeah. You know, it, that seems like a deal maybe the club are looking at and potentially trying to push on with, regardless of who, who comes through the door as, as manager. I think that, that sort of thing is, is encouraging with that in mind, that you've got a fellow there in Brands who, who does deal with, with player recruitment. Um, but, you know, I think it, it, no, this wasn't, wasn't Everton, Dave, and we didn't have the history that we've got in regards to different people at the top of the football club making different decisions, trying to pull this in a, in a different direction. I'd probably look at the managerial market and say, well, this indecision and this different briefing and all these different types of manager are probably just a product of the fact that there aren't many good options out there out there for us. You know, I think you could, you could, you could definitely say that. But, you know, it's been, like I said, it's been nine days now since Carlo left. There's been a, a number of names that have sort of been thrown out there, ranging from... You know, Rafa Benitez today to, to Graham Potter, who's apparently on the shortlist. Um, any kind of manager from any part of Europe. You know, I've seen Fatty Tarim has been linked today. Obviously, you know, Turkish <laughs> manager. That name's come out of nowhere. But is there anyone, Davey, who that sort of has been seriously linked with the job that you you thought they're the standout candidate or they're the person that you'd want want to come in next? Or are you still waiting for that? You know, that that mystery man that could come in and. And hit the ground running and start turning this team round. That's uh, yet to emerge. I, I don't. I don't think there's anybody on that list. Um, from what we've seen, from let's say, you know, not beyond the realms of possibility of them becoming the next Everton manager. That really takes my breath away with all this. Um, you know, you see, you still see really loose links with maybe Conte and. Well, that's you know, not going to happen. Um, is it? I mean, no, I mean, I've seen, I've seen, and we all want this to happen for for one very particular reason, one very particular infamous video. But I even saw Pellegrini link today as well, <laughs> um, which, which which would just be masterful for one reason, as we all know. Uh, um, I mean, the, the the Potter memes from Phoenix Knights have been have been good enough, haven't they? But I imagine exactly. Pellegrini came in, and that that fella would be. Photoshopped onto everything. There'll be videos, all sorts. It'd be uh, yeah, might, might be worth getting him in just for that. Yeah, and and again, you know, he he's one that he doesn't he doesn't overwhelm me. But then again, maybe that's what we need. You know, this this is what people other people are saying is that you know you've got to start looking at this realistically and think, well, maybe if we went and got an Antonio Conte, he, he'd be up in sticks as soon as a top European club come along and wanted his talents much the same way as Ancelotti. Um, we really are in in a bit of a mess, I mm. think, and it it it, it will take some decisive and, and and really sort of, I think, groundbreaking for Everton decision-making to turn this round and get it right and get us on an even keel. Because, you know, it's, it's all well and good mentioned that we're back to square one, which we are. But we've said that so many times when it's been not... Uh, it's been of our own doing in terms of sacking managers. This time we've had the rug for pull from under us, haven't we? And, and one's left for the first time. I'd, ju- I'd just be really interested to see how they deal with that dynamic and possibly being forced into acting um, rather than making this, the decision out of the, the sort of their own yeah. desire, which, um, you know, either way you look at it, it doesn't fill you with, with great faith, does it, that they're going to get it right, given the track record. But um, from going back to the list of candidates, Matt, I'm, I, I don't know whether, 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 whether I take a, a sense of sort of, I'm at peace with this, 
knowing that it could be a manager that not many people necessarily approve of because I wonder, and I, and I throw that in regards to the likes of, of a Potter uh, or, or a, a Nuno Espirito Santo because I think if they're coming into this football club and nobody's expecting much of them, when's the last time that's actually happened? Probably Martinez. Martinez, I'd um, say, yeah. I mean, there's appreciation, wasn't there, when he came in, but... You know, even though this relegated manager, we, we appoint, yeah, yeah we appointed somebody like that, but it, it felt like everyone was sort of ready for it to be like quite poor for a while and for us to have some growing pains. And if for you know, for, you know, for the players to get used to the style and you know, defenders to pass the ball square through attackers, you can see it goes. It, it felt like at the time we were all ready for like that change and ready to accept that it was going to be a bit crap for a bit. I don't really, I don't really know if that's the, the same now. I think, I think it probably will depend where it on on what type of manager comes in because. I think if you get a, a potter, it's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? Where you can imagine the first few months are going to be, you know, some really good stuff, some good coaching in there, but you're going to drop a clanger every now and then. You can imagine the goalkeeper passing it straight to an attacker and, you know, they, they yeah. score from it. But I think if you bring in a Benitez or, you know, maybe someone of, of his ilk who's a bit more established, then you're going to have a, a situation there where if things don't go well to start, people are going to be on the, the case straight away because they're not they're not a project manager, are they, in inverted commas? They're here to make an impact in the short term and, and make Everton a, you know, an effective team, but not necessarily an exciting team. So I think how we all feel going into the season is probably going to depend on, on who, who is at the helm ultimately, isn't it? Well, in, in that 60 seconds there, I think you've just encapsulated perfectly what the dilemma is because... You after after Ancelotti, the context of this is very important. It always is, because when we've sacked the manager, it's like okay, well, they need to effectively reach the best one they can get. If they can't get that person, they go down a, a list of, you know, who the best candidate is. When somebody's left us, um, sort of between a rock and a hard place as we are right now, it's then a dilemma of, of a lot of different things at play here because you would then think, well, they were content with Ancelotti, they were content with the project, you're really happy to have somebody of his calibre as the manager of the football club. Therefore, do they start thinking, well, we have to continue that then, we have to go and pluck a big name. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's the way we want to go about things because I think to a person, and obviously I'm not speaking for everyone here, there weren't too many discerning voices by way of saying they don't want Ancelotti as manager even though we know for a fact there was a, a lot of debate on why we should have done better this season and whether Tenth is good enough for what he had at his disposal. You know, we could argue for days over that. We did. We have argued mm. for days over that. Um, we're now in a position where you're like, well, okay, which Everton do you want to see? And it goes back to the identity thing, doesn't it? Because if you're thinking, okay, well, Graham Potter's the man. All right, fine. Graham Potter, we'll get behind him. You give him resources to an extent, I think they'd be then a little bit more hesitant to spend what they probably will go under Ancelotti this summer on any sort of rebuild. Um, he'd obviously come a lot cheaper as well. I think they'd see a huge benefit in that, given what they were paying Ancelotti. Um, and then you're looking at something that has longevity. You're looking at something that isn't a three-year cycle. You're looking at somebody who's not going to be poached by bigger and better clubs. But I think... The, the, the most overwhelming thing for me with all of this, Matt, the, the biggest issue is, is that Everton are that club right now who, if a manager comes in and does a really good job, 
like a Graham Potter. You know, people say to me that they're worried if we were to get a Conte that it'd be off of a big club come and poach them um, when he was waiting for something else to come along. Equally said that if you put a point to Graham Potter, say if he goes, gets Everton sixth next season, fifth, gets them in the Europa League, has a decent season in the Europa League the year after. Well, he too is then going to be in that category of managers mm. who are the clubs, bigger clubs want to come and take. But and I suppose that's then, the problem. Dave, that's, yeah, but that, that's where you should have faith in your director of football to get the next Correct. The next one, isn't it? And, you know, we, we, it, it feels like at the moment, if, if you know, putting ourselves in a position where in an alternative universe in two years' time where Green Potter's coming at Everton, done really well, and, I don't know, Arsenal have, or, or, you know, Chelsea or a club like that have come and took him off us, then you'd say, well, you just you just get a similar manager in. But it sort of feels like we'd go, right, this fella's gone. Let's change the whole thing completely and rip it all up yeah. and, and start again. Well, and that's it. And you're right, that, that, that again, it, it puts a massive responsibility on Brands' shoulders, doesn't it, to go and, to go and be that um, and have that role. The problem is I, I don't necessarily think that's the directive he's been given um, by certain people above him at the football club. Uh, when it should be. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious it should be by now that that's the way it works. But then, you know, you, you look at that, it, it's similar to, I think, that little golden period Swansea had when they had yeah. Paolo Sosa, Roberto Martinez, and then Lardrup, was it? Yeah, um, yeah. Rodgers was there as well, wasn't he? Rodgers, yeah. You, I mean, yeah. you put those, for me, I don't know too much about Paolo Sosa these days, but you put the rest of those managers into a hat and you draw them out, you're probably thinking you're pretty much getting the same thing from each of them, aren't you? And mm. and, and that, that in a way, would make me feel much more comfortable if that's the way in which we end up doing things. If we're sat here in, I don't know, eight, nine years' time and we're saying three managers who are very, very similar have all had the Everton job, I would probably think, do you know what? I'll have expected us to have, a, to have had a pretty decent time of it um, and Brands has done his job correctly. And that, um, that's, that's, that's the thing as well, isn't it, Dave? Because even even though you know we're all sat here saying we want a long term manager, it's going to be four or five years. That's realistically not going to happen, is it? You know, you you, no. need, you need to always have contingency plans. I mean, Everton lost their manager this season after he'd done a a pretty average job. You know, you expect you expect yeah. to lose your manager typically when he's done really well and has been pinched by a club like Real Madrid, or they've done terribly and he gets sacked. When they're just doing okay and chugging along, it, it feels like you know things should be should be pretty safe. But even in that situation, we, we lost our coach. So I think it just goes to show that in modern football, in particular, you can't you know in terms of the coach you've got in charge, you can't look at things too much from a long term perspective. Director of football and people at the top of the club absolutely should be doing that. But in terms of the, the coach and the people who are doing stuff on the football pitch and work with the team. I, I, I don't think you can look too far down the line. So you need to have that contingency plan in place all the time. Um, but it's difficult difficult well, to see that at Everton, isn't it? Well, I mean, you just go back to that point you made there about the, the Ancelotti thing. Many people look at it and think, oh, that's typical Everton. Nah. But it, it really is. It, I, I think that's a really unique situation, what, what happened to us there. And I actually feel sorry for everyone associated with that at the football club. And, and I hope many people take what I'm saying there sincerely, given the fact I'm one of the biggest critics of how we've run things in the past. I'm not just saying it um, because I'm a fan of Bill Kenwright or anybody in particular on the board. I think we've all made mistakes. Machiri himself, I think, has made mistakes. Every single one of them is culpable at some point for what's gone on mm. um, at managerial level with the football club. So I need to put that disclaimer out there. But I actually... 
believe it or not, and I don't know if many people believe this, but I'm, I actually take what Ancelotti said at face value in that an opportunity came about and he had to take it. Yeah. Now, we can we can sit here and talk and, and debate and argue about the merit in taking that and all of the stuff that he said previous to that about how much he loves Everton and Crosby and all that stuff. People in didn't say, yeah, that's ultimately bullshit, but I genuinely don't believe that this is the type of scenario where he was sat dead in, in deadlocked in talks with Real Madrid for several weeks or months. I genuinely believe that cropped up as an option for them. That was a pretty easy way out for them. Hire someone who's probably the most inoffensive guy Madrid have ever had as manager mm. to come in and settle things down when behind the scenes things are not good for them in terms of finances, gets on well with the players. I, I think it's an incredibly, um, it's, it's a quite a subtle move from it's quite a shrewd move from Real Madrid to go and get Ancelotti. Mm. Um, looking at that side, you then ask the question: Well, why isn't he turning it down? Well, in simple terms, it's Real Madrid. You don't turn them down if you're a manager. You've got no real association with Everton. And yet, then absolutely, we all sit there and think it absolutely stinks about what he said in the past about <laughs> finding a home here. And you know, I think I'm not sure if it was Sid Law or Miguel Delaney who tweeted about it last week, Matt, saying that. Um, this felt like almost semi-retirement for Ancelotti yeah, when he yeah. when he come when he comes to to Everton, and I can I can perfectly see that way of thinking because it does feel like it was a a winding down type of job for him. Albeit, you know, you're not, never going to accuse the fellow of not trying, but it, it did have that feel of why Everton, why now? And he's talking about nice things like his his morning walk with his dog around Crosby Beach. Yeah. You know, they're not the they're not the but, words of a sort of like when like an elite manager. It's sort of like when a player who's been at the elite level for all his career goes and plays in the MLS. Yeah. Sort of like that. Yeah, exactly that. I, I can imagine Zlatan would say something similar when he joined LA Galaxy. You know, that 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 sort of feel about, yes, I'm here to do my best, but this is a really comfortable place for me to be. Um, and, and, you know, that's on Everton, that as well. If, if, if the club had perceived, look, you know, what it, it was a matter of convenience when you look at it really, wasn't it? Because Everton, the club that are massively hang, hang out on that reputation, you have an Ancelotti as manager, and Ancelotti's looking for something that is a little bit off the beaten track of the scrutiny that he had at Napoli and the big clubs he has earlier in his career, just the way it was. So when you quickly come to terms with that, it's easier to make peace with what happened with Ancelotti. But where it leaves Everton is a really particularly sticky situation now. Um, but I, I still think we'll end up with Nuno. Um, <sighs> The Palace thing seemed to break down quite quickly. I know he brings a ton of backroom staff with him, and I really, I, I, I don't think I've said this yet on him, but if it is him, I really hope he packs in that little weird thing he does with all his coaching staff on the touchline when he scores a goal. I can't be like, doing with that. It's the big group hook, that thing. Yeah, I can't stand that. I really can't stand that. I think it's so fake. Um, but yeah, I, that's where I'm at right now, Matt. Really, I. I say is, I he, is he the one you'd go for? Then let, let, let me quickly rattle through the, the names at the top of the... So, just got on the sky bet there, and Eddie Howe is the current favourite, and then it's Nuno, Potter, Benitez, Gaultier, Pellegrini, Ferguson and Moyes. Lampard is 18-1, to 1, and then Conte and Martinez are 20-1. to 1. Uh, I mean, each one of them you can make an argument against really, really easily. I'm, I'm trying to sit there and think who you'd make the best argument for. I think Gaultier is the one I'd, I'd be looking at. I think he'd be I, the one that I'd be quite excited about. Yeah, given the credentials, he, he looks like he's uh, he ticks all the boxes in terms of what you want in, in, in regards to controlling and managing the side that you consider underdogs. 
Um, what he did for Lille, given PSG's dominance and stronghold over there, is quite phenomenal when you think about it. Having lost key you players know, every summer he's been there as well. You know, you see yeah, last summer, seems to get the best out, yeah. Pepe went the summer before as well. You know, he's been pretty average in the Premier League, but he was unbelievable in France. And, you know, obviously a lot of that's down to the director of football as well, but being able to coach a side and, and get a side to, to, you know, that has been so reliant on certain players to, to you know, readjust and, and, you know, recalibrate, I think is, I mean, that's sort of a mark of a really good coach, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And yeah, we do need somebody who, who has experience of doing that, let's face it, because whilst we're still in a position where we're a very, very easy club, I think other people see Everton as, a, as an easy club, either to poach players from or to compete with in regards to finances and transfers and stuff like that. I still think that there's a vulnerability there and many other football clubs see there's a, there's a vulnerability there. Um, you know, if we, go, if we were to go head-to-head with a player with anybody, I don't know. You know, you look at who Everton compete with. You'd rather go to Leicester than Everton right now, wouldn't you? Um, and, and there are many clubs like that that we can probably cite. That's the difficulty where we're at. So you've got to bring somebody in who both understands that and can cope with it and deal with it by way of what a Simeone would do at, at, at Atleti. You know, when you, you look at when they lose best, the best players, he sees that as a challenge more than he does a deficit or something that's a real kick in the stomach. Everton needs somebody with that sort of water off a duck's back type of idea in his head about what he wants from the football club. And he knows that, you know, if a, if a player particularly excels and they will ultimately leave, then he's got the perfect solution in mind. And it looked like, let's face it, that's such a difficult task, isn't it? You are asking a hell of a lot of a manager to come in and be that way yeah. and have that attitude about them. But that's simply the way we are right now. And, and I suppose... You narrow down the candidates, and he's the one that sticks out, isn't he? If he's able to come and do that in England, yeah. Um, so you think it'll be Nuno? I'm probably ten. I think it'll be, be Nuno. Yeah, I think it'll be Nuno because I think there's a simplicity to the deal with that. Um, Palace thing fell through. A very traditional club now, Palace, aren't they? They have a lot of fan ownership, fan influence on the board. Steve Palace is no mug. <laughs> Not that I'm saying Farad Mashiri is a mug, but I think his pockets are probably a little bit deeper than Palace were willing to go. Uh, if the issue was his backroom staff, I don't think that Mashiri would see that as an issue for Everton. I think he'd think if this is the guy we're going for, if everybody's sort of in agreement that he's the square peg that fits our particularly round hole, then <laughs> he's, he's the man, then let's do it properly. I don't think... I don't think Mashiri is the type of man who, who does things by half. So if it's yeah. if it's Nuno that's been and he fancies Nuno, then I think he'll go for it wholeheartedly and and take what it needs in terms of getting his backroom staff there. Um, look, I'd good luck see, to the fella if it's him. I'd love to see Duncan getting involved in that group hug thing. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how awkward that'd be. <laughs> yeah, it'd be. I think Duncan would end up taking control of that. So yeah. by way, <laughs> which means that everyone sits down quietly when they don't get up to do it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, look, there's there's another talking point itself. I probably want for another day, but yeah. But where does he fit into all of this? Because look, we're, we're we're sat here talking about different philosophies, different styles of play. We want different identities. Well, therefore, you have to include Duncan Ferguson in that because he's been there under a few different managers now. Um, where does he fit in in, in in another particular style as well? Do the club need him to hang around because they see him as a future manager? 
is there a touch of sentiment there as well? I think there probably is. Um, as long as it's not him himself, because I don't think he's ready. I, I love Duncan Ferguson with all my heart, but I don't think he's anywhere near being ready for the rough and tumble of what a, a ride under Everton would do to him. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, and just before we wrap up today, Dave, um, obviously Euro's imminent now, first game Friday night, yeah. Italy, Turkey. Um, a couple of questions for you. How do you think England are going to get on and who do you think is going to win it? Uh, I think England will get to at least the quarters. I think they'll do all right. Um, whether they've got anything above that. I, I, I'm not a massive fan of Southgate as a manager, Matt. I don't think he's tactically got what it takes to go and win one of these things. I think that Croatia game in the semi-finals of the World Cup, I think you've got, having gone 1-0 up as well, you've got to, you, you need to expect more. People expect more. You've got to go and do more. Mm. And I don't think he, he has that in him to do that. I think for all of the great stuff he does, I think he's brilliant with the media. I think he's brilliant with the players. I think I'd look at him if I'm a player. And again, this is just me speculating from the outside looking in. Somebody who's more of a friend than he would be a manager. Mm. Uh, someone you'd say, all right, mate, yeah, rather than actually sitting there listening to him. Um, I, I think he could do well. I think, I tell you what, I think he got a hell of a secret weapon in Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. Um, even taking the Everton hat off, if Kane's out of form, if he's injured, if England need a goal and someone else up top, I think it could well be Dom's time to shine there. And uh, I wish him all the luck in the world. Tinsley goes and wins it. I mean, this, it's a really exciting tournament when you think about that because there's so many sides. I think probably aside from France, who've just been quite magnificent, haven't they? In, They've got a ridiculous squad, haven't they? Right. Yeah, it, it feels like peak Spain. Yeah. You think when Spain went Euros, World Cup Euros, you feel as if in the middle of that cycle with this France side. So wouldn't surprise me if they won it. I think there are a lot of good teams people are writing off, given the recent records. I think Germany will be... I mean, they'll do well to get through the group. I think, you know, they'll probably get through all three of the big boys in that so-called group of death will probably get through. Um, given the third place cop out thing, yeah, they've but, got Hungary in that group, aren't they? So you, you, you know, they're not a bad side, but you'd expect them all to, to win comfortably in that and get and get free. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. you win if you win one game and don't get battered in the other two, you'll go through. Yeah, um, it's as simple as that, really. So I think all three of those sides will actually be okay, which is which is a shame, really. If you if you like your sort of do or die knockout style of football um, to get through to a last sixteen feels mad. 24 teams feels mad. While we're on that, there'll be 48 of them at the World Cup on in a couple in a few years' time. Um, <laughs> yeah. In 16, 16 groups of three, which I think you're really trying to undersell what your product is, then you go and do well, something like that. I think at the but, Copper uh, America I think, Day, I, I think at the Copper America yeah. Day, there's only 10 teams in it. And yeah. I think that it goes straight to quarterfinals. So only two teams get eliminated from the group stages. There's there's That's two mad. groups, two groups of two groups of five, I believe. So Absolutely Mad. remarkable, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because obviously the Euros used to be just the 16 teams, then it's straight to quarters, yeah. which far more comfortable as far as I'm concerned. The World Cup the same, nearly with the last 32, um, with the last 16, sorry. But yeah, I think I think Germany, you never write them off in a, in a tournament. They just seem to click. I look at the side as well. They've still got some incredible players that will go under the radar because not many people fancy them. Joachim Lowe's sort of bowing out, isn't he? It's going to be yeah. a swan song. There'd the be a certain romance about that I think in particular quarters if Germany went and did it I think it'd be difficult to, to beat um, so there's sort of it feels weird to say dark horses but given given the position at the moment I don't think the class is one of the favourites to win it are they um, no. 
to them. Italy as well are going to fascinate me. Uh, be interesting to see what happens with them tomorrow night. Um, because I think they've, they haven't lost a game since 2018. Uh, they've kept eight clean sheets on the spin. Many people are quick to tell me that that's because they mean playing the likes of San Marino and stuff <laughs> like that. But it still takes some doing. I think the Czech Republic's probably the, the best team they've played. But, you know, if you get into that run of form, you know, you get used to it, don't you? And it's momentum and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think my outside, I think Germany will win it. I think Germany will win it just just because it would be so them to go into a tournament. Probably was seventh or eighth favourite, not really mm. fancy by many. You look at them in 2006 as well, Matt. It was a similar thing, wasn't it? And then we, yeah, were, all yeah. in, we were all introduced to Philip Lahm and, and then Muller and all that stuff. So, um, never write the Germans off, and, and that's what I'm going for. I think Germany might might well at least get to the final. Yeah, I I think France will win it. I know it's very boring to say, but <laughs> I, I, I do like the, the look of Portugal as well. I think they're sort of being. I think probably because they're in that tough group. I think a lot of people are overlooking them, but you look at the, the attack well, I mean, that, that in itself... they've got with like what they've got. You know, Ronaldo maybe is a bit more of an issue now than he is in an asset because he's you know. Basically, just a goal hanger these days. But you look at the players behind them, and you've got Bernardo Silva, Fernandez, Jota, João Felix. You know that's that is some serious attacking talents. Then they've got yeah. best defender in the Premier League, best player in the Premier League, and Diaz. I think they've lacked a, a quality centre back for a while. Cancelo, Ricardo. I think they've got a really good side. So I think if they can yeah. get out the group, I think they'll be they'll be dead out to beat. Well, that, and that's why we're in for the treat. I think their group starts on Tuesday. That, that's yeah. why we're in for such a treat. It's because. You, you know, even with, with Hungary being in there, it, with all due respect to them, they're not, not going to be real whipping boys by the sense of what we normally see in international football when you get a lesser nation qualify for these big tournaments and they're just happy to be there. But it, I, I suspect it will come down to the results against Hungary plus the head-to-heads, if you get what I mean, um, in terms of goals scored. And Is it head-to-head that goes on, Matt, or is it goal difference? I'm not sure on that. I think it, I think it was head-to-head last time, wasn't it? So maybe it'll be yeah. the same again. But I'll tell you what, I mean, if, say if Hungary win their opening game or draw their opening game, it's it's very much game on, isn't it? It's going to be a race to the finish line. Between they, won their group. Because... they won their group five years ago, didn't they? They, they, they did, Portugal, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, so just the, thing, the, the one thing that would depress me is... If we see Portugal went and won it in 2016 with three draws in the group stage, um, I don't want to see any of that nonsense. I don't. I, I really don't want to see a team go through. All right, fine. They go through on three points, having won a game. That's fine. But if you go through to the knockout stages when you've drawn all three group games, I mean, I think that's criminal, isn't it? Yet it probably will happen because you haven't got a ne- negative goal difference, and the bottom yeah. two teams of those third place, uh, best third place sides. Are going to have negative goal differences. There's every chance it happens, isn't it? But um, yeah, really excited in general, Matt. I think it'll be a cracking tournament. Yeah, so do I. Looking forward to it. All gets underway on Friday. Italy, Turkey. Uh, we'll be all over it as well. Hopefully, some yeah. Anderson players will be able to make a difference. Obviously, big, big few weeks for John Pickford. He's going to be heavily involved in it. So, yeah. uh, all the best to him. And hopefully, he does well. Like Dave said, hopefully, Dom can show he can do as well. But yeah, that's been your weekly show. We'll be back again next week. Maybe Everton will have a manager. Maybe they won't. But uh, yeah, we'll be here to have a chat about it with you. So cheers to Dave. I must be to you again soon. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, it only takes 15 pounds of pressure to break a window. Something you probably do know, your neighbor practices chipping in the backyard. Something you probably don't know, a golf ball through your window would also take out your TV. 
Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.